Welcome to episode 37 of the Rain Race Podcast. Today we're going to be talking about Mazda's exit from the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship, and we're going to be going over the latest news from IMSA, the World Endurance Championship, and IndyCar. If you want to join us in a live discussion for the next episode, you can check out my YouTube channel. That's youtube.com slash C slash GT Rain. And you can join us in the live discussion for the next podcast, Mondays at 9 p.m. Eastern. Until then, enjoy. Episode 37 of the Rain Race Podcast here tonight. Uh, as always, I'm joined alongside Racing Nation TV, a.k.a. Kyle Cuthbertson. What's up? Uh, we got a couple things to talk about tonight. Again, another week with no motorsports news to recap. Um, just kind of stuck in the beginning of the season, January. Or I'm sorry, not January, February at this point. Mid-February. Shows how far behind I am. Um, you know, you may be keen to point out, oh, the Daytona 500. Um, I don't know, we don't really talk about NASCAR that much on this podcast, mainly because I don't pay attention to NASCAR enough to actually talk about it. Um, but I will say a congratulations to Michael McDowell, who does have a road racing background, uh, for what it's worth, on winning the Daytona 500. Uh, and I also wanted to say a quick, um, or just po- you know, have a quick moment for uh, Bob Jenkins, who has uh, revealed his diagnosis with uh, brain cancer this morning. Uh, obviously, Bob Jenkins, we've actually worked with him very briefly in the past uh, for something on Kyle's channel. Uh, just all around a great guy, a great voice who's been... Um, known across different series for commentary uh, over the like decades and uh, we just wish him the best and uh, hopefully in the future I might even be able to start up a, a donation thing to uh, help out uh, Bob if somebody sets up a, a like a GoFundMe or something along those lines um, anyways on some brighter news well actually this isn't so much brighter because the first thing I want to talk about today is uh, Mazda terminating their DPI program at the end of the season, which is, uh, you know, especially for me, being a Mazda fan, kind of a disappointment. Um, You know, people have pointed out that the writing was on the wall for that one, and I think that it's kind of accurate considering, uh, you know, Mazda dropped down to a one-car program this year. The 77 is no more. It's just the 55 now. Some of the staff from the 77 uh, including engineer Lena Gade, moved over to the 55 this season. But it was just revealed uh, late last week uh, that the 55 in the entire motorsports or Mazda Motorsports program would be no more in IMSA. Um, Kyle, quick thoughts on that? Obviously, you know, you mean you're right. The writing, I think, was on the wall uh, for this to happen after they went to one car. Uh, but what's just very disappointing in this is when you're in a time in sports car racing when you have all these manufacturer uh, announcements of going to LMDH, and you get that one where it's, yeah, we're not going to go to LMDH. We're we're actually dropping out, and it's uh, it's it's a pretty sad thing to watch um, unfold. Yeah, um, there are actually a couple more things to break down with this announcement. Uh, the first thing I saw that was notable was. Uh, Nelson Cosgrove, who just took over as the head of Mazda Motorsports after John Doonan got promoted to IMSA president, which was 2020, is uh, already being replaced uh, at his seat by, uh, I'm sorry, I forget that, Mo Murray is taking over his seat uh, effective immediately, uh, I'm sorry, effective at the end of the month. 
uh, as the director of Mazda Motorsports, which I found a little bit interesting because, as I said, Nelson hasn't been in that position for that long. Um, now, as for the future, I think, I mean, this kind of makes sense in some way uh, when you look at LMDH, because the thing I actually didn't include in there is that Mazda, and I think you said this, Kyle, Mazda's not pursuing a an LMDH program. So mm-hmm. that leads me to believe that Multimatic, they're certainly going to be wanting to work with somebody. Uh, and I think that the obvious name to sort of fit that role would be Ford. I don't know if you have any opinions on that. Ford has worked with Multimatic. They're still working with Multimatic right now on the uh, the Ford GT Mark II. Actually, and, I didn't uh, think about that. That's a good point. Yeah, I just think that that would be sort of a logical path for Multimatic to go to go down. Um, that was actually something I was wondering about uh, for a little while, is where Mazda would actually end up going and what Multimatic more specifically would do if Ford had intended on coming back, because uh, Ford right now does have a pretty solid relationship with Multimatic, I've noticed. Um, I mean, there's... Not too much else to go over for that announcement. It's just kind of, it's a blow to IMSA for sure. I think the Mazdas have, they've had, you know, a huge fan base because that's one of those teams where you're kind of invested in it. I know me personally, it's like, all right, this was a team that was trying to get a win all the way since they started in IMSA in 2014 with the uh, Speed Source Diesel. And they didn't get a win until 2019 at Watkins Glen. I think that that was a team that people really rode to the end with. And uh, it's going to be a great shame to see them go. But I think it does open more doors uh, for the future than it really closes right now. Because, like we were talking about Multimatic, what's going to happen with all of that? Uh, there's another... I mean, there, there was, uh, you know, something uh, released today about Andretti Autosport wanting to be involved in IMSA. Yeah, so I was just going to bring that up as well. Um, that was actually an article that was posted to Racer.com by Marshall Pruitt. I found that a little bit interesting. I mean, it's not, it's, you know, it's not a complete bombshell story, but Andretti Autosport wanting to step up to LMDH is definitely noteworthy. Uh, And I started to think of like manufacturers that they might be able to work with. I was thinking, first of all, Acura. I mean, they've already committed to an LMDH program. Uh, And then also BMW, because Andretti right now works with BMW for the factory Formula E program, which is ending. And uh, BMW has shown interest in LMDH, so that's a possibility as well. I mean, Acura, they've also worked with Acura before in the past, an LMS, uh, and they're working with HPD in uh, IndyCar currently. Yeah. So a few paths, you know, that they could go. And obviously they'd be targeted. It's a few years out. They're... They'd be targeting a 2023, obviously. So a couple of years to get that down. A couple of years. Yeah, and I mean, the thing that I've also noticed with the Mazda announcement, and I pointed this out to somebody, is how quickly sports car classes can fall. Um, I wouldn't say, Mm -hmm. you know, DPI certainly hasn't fallen to the level of GTE or LMP1 yet. Um but I mean, you're looking at a class that last season had Penske, they had JDC, two Mazdas. 
I mean, Cadillac with Action Express, Wayne Taylor. I can go down the list. Uh, they had uh, Tequila Patron ESM a couple of years ago. And, you know, you think, oh, wow, this is like in a golden era right now. Just like we were thinking with LMP1 back in 2015, 2016. And then a few seasons later, a couple teams leave. And then all of a sudden you're like, okay, what's uh, what's going to be the replacement to this? Because this obviously doesn't have a bright future. Um I mean that's something that I notice with with sports car racing categories and it's it's really been enhanced sort of by this whole thing because you know Mazda they were a factory program they brought a ton of I think attention to the sport as I'd mentioned earlier um and it just generally sucks to lose an OEM because when you go to a sports car race when you go like into the paddock you'll notice that these manufacturers like Mazda and Lexus BMW, they'll all have these giant displays set up. I think that they bring more value to attracting outside fans than, say, a team like Meyer Shankwood or, you know, Wayne Taylor Racing. And nothing to knock those teams down, but I think that a factory program definitely brings a little bit more merit when it comes to attracting the common man to, uh, to your series. Do you think that Mazda leaving could, you know, possibly be showing kind of a uh, a weakness in the DPI formula in that, you know, you know, because when you think about it, uh, DPI or LMDH as it's going to become is still going to be based off LMP2 chassis with, you know, manufacturer built bodywork. So Mazda obviously using the Riley, do you think, you know, them using the Riley uh, an LMP2 chassis that's not used currently in really anything has something to do with it. And with that, you know, chassis not really being as competitive. And when you think about it, uh, the chassis future of LMP2, uh, you, right now it's just Oreca and uh, and the, uh, who else runs? It's the, the Lige still has like a couple, right? I know Delara is pretty much out now. Because the uh, right. Elatar car is gone, so do you think that kind of like is starting to show kind of a flaw in DPI at this point for the future? Uh, I mean, not really, honestly. I think because LMDH is built off the same concept, where it's built yeah. off an LMP2 car still, um, and you know, you kind of bring up a nice point. Where is that something that they should be looking at for the LMDH regulations? I don't think that that was a problem for Mazda. They certainly struggled. In the first season with their uh, with their DPI car, um, and then they got their you know they were allowed to do an upgrade. Mm-hmm. And Riley themselves were allowed to upgrade their car as well. At that point, it was really Multimatic. Um, <coughs> sorry, feeling a little bit under the uh, under the weather today. Um, but no, I don't think that that was a reason for it. I think overall, you know, Mazda had the pace they were winning races they won like three or four races in a row back in 2019 um i mean they were potentially a legit contender for the championship last year they just started making some mistakes towards the end of the season and you know i don't see any reason why they couldn't be a contender for the championship this season i think mazda right now certainly with them getting a new director of motorsports they're going through a restructuring period and you know, when I say it's nice to have these big-name manufacturers with factory teams, that's true. But the problem with big-name factory teams is that they're under complete scrutiny of a board of directors. 
So, you know, we saw this with Audi and LMP1 and Porsche and LMP1 where the team itself can have this huge inspiration and motivation to, to run and they're pretty much running their A game. You know, you can talk about Multimatic doing that. You can talk about Yoast doing it with Audi. Um, and then, you know, somebody on the board of directors can pull the funding and that's the end of that. It's really up to the, the men in suits when it comes to the factory teams. That's sort of the problem with them if you had to pick a downside. And I think that that's probably what happened to Mazda here. They're just trying to go through a restructuring period. Maybe the pandemic hit them a little bit more than they were expecting it to. Um, we'll have to see. I haven't heard anything else to this point, but I certainly don't think it had anything to do with like the chassis, though. I mean, it is an interesting point to think about in DPI because, you know, something, you know, you have to think about that's interesting is the, I mean, at least I think the future of DPI and how well it does, you know, also is dependent on the future of LMP2. Because if you look at, you know, we're, I, was, I think I was probably making jokes uh, during the 24 hours of Le Mans last year that, you know, over 90% of the field was Oreca's. They're all, it's pretty much a spec class. And, you know, for the 2021 roster, as of right now, it's all Oreca's and one Liget. And so, you know, and how many manufa- how many manufacturers are interested in joining LMP2 right now? And when you have this many manufacturers coming in and in a LMP2, you know, based chassis class, it makes you wonder what chassis is uh, Audi going to use? What is... Uh, you know, what's the future going to be? Because then, also, you think about the the Cadillac's obviously been very successful, is still successful, not a problem there. But with the Delara kind of not being in use right now, you know, are they going to continue to just keep using that for however long? Is it going to turn into like Daytona prototypes where we're just using the same, you know, tub and chassis for ten years at a time, but we're just going to change up the bodywork a little bit? I mean, what's and also, you know, with with how the LMDH, you know, regulations are and adding the spec hybrid system, you know, you're going to have to, you're going to need, I think you're going to have, you're going to need more manufacturer or chassis manufacturers coming into LMP2 to help LMDH, which, you know, could, could be a problem in the future. Well, okay, here's my comment about the LMP2 regulations. The current LMP2 regulations that were introduced in 2017, they blew it. You know, the I've been researching like the 2011 24 hours of Le Mans. I have a video coming out hopefully later this week about a car, a certain LMP1 car that ran in that race. Um, didn't run too well. But the point is that I was looking at the LMP2 class while I was sort of researching that race. And the variety of cars that you had in that class was just astounding. I mean, it was almost like, you know, it it had way more of a storyline, I think. You even had a hybrid running in LMP2 that year. Um, The problem with the current LMP2 regulations is that it was built around this concept of, okay, we're going to try to keep it as cheap as possible while also having the cars be quick. So the way they tried to make it as cheap as possible is to limit development. Well, the problem with that is, okay, you you go out of the gate, and Orica seems like they're an extreme. They're the strongest manufacturer, just hands down. Um, 
and you know you try to, you try to give the other manufacturers you know a little bit of a break they can play around a little bit to see if they can catch up to Orica but the problem was that none of them really were able to truly catch the Orica in terms of pace and, you know that's fine and everything but at the same time a lot of the manufacturers weren't even really given that much of a chance and at that point okay you have a class that's built around customer teams like say GT3 is and what is the gut reaction to do when you're running you know you, you got four cars in front of you you have the Multimatic Riley you have the Orica, Dallara and the Ligier and you can you know go out and buy any one of them to run your program which one are you going to choose? And that's why it's become a completely Orica focused, you know, people sometimes make the joke that it's like the Orica, the Orica championship or whatever in the European Le Mans series, which actually the European Le Mans series has more, uh, more entries that aren't Orica than, uh, the world endurance championship, I believe. And, uh, yeah, it's really taken away the interest, I think. In the class, because even if you look, you know, I referenced the 2011 24 Hours of Le Mans when you had, I can't even count off the top of my head how many LMP2, like, different cars. You know, they weren't all competitive, but at least you had that interest there, and you had different cars that were sort of, you, you had a story to go with it. I think that's one of the biggest things in sports car racing, is even if you don't have the closest competition, if you have some of the best stories, that can be what makes the race interesting. And... I'm not too sure what the plans are for the next LMP2 regulations. I assume there's some of this, like, some of the same story, where uh, they're going to limit development, which is fine. You know, I don't want a cost war in LMP2. It's completely unnecessary. But the problem is, like I said, if you have a team that gets an advantage straight out of the gate, that's it. Just becomes a problem. Uh, Macaulay Davies said the regulation changes should possibly be more regular. It should. Uh, oh, it quickly changes from golden era to state uh, stale racing. Um, yeah, I, of course, that's sort of a double-edged sword thing where I agree with you on that. I think that the regulations, you know, if you have a class like DPI right now where you're just going to have two manufacturers next season, I think that you can you can easily say, yeah, it's time that we swing in some new regulations, get more manufacturers in, and that's what they're planning on doing with LMDH. The problem is with that is you're now driving costs up. So if you drive costs up and you get new regulations, you might attract some new manufacturers, but you're also going to you know, turn away some of the smaller teams like Meyer Shank, who just stepped up to the plate with DPI. Um, yeah, it, it's a pain to even think about because like I, I've mentioned, it's a double-edged sword. I mean, just... It's just kind of alarming at this rate. I mean, because think about it. How many, I mean, one Liger in the 2021, I mean, do you know when the next uh, LMP2 regulations are due to happen? I believe it was 2023 or 24. I don't know. So around the same time as LMDH. Yeah. So that's something to think about. Yeah, the new LMDH cars are supposed to be based around the new spec LMP2 cars. Right. So it's kind of alarming to me. Well, it's kind of interesting to me. Have there been any LMP2 manufacturers 
I mean, if nobody say it's just Oreka, is that alarming to you for LMDH's sake? Uh, I mean, not for LMDH's sake. No, I don't think so. I think it's more alarming for LMP2 at that point. Because LMDH, you can still go around and you can throw your own engine in it. And you can throw your own bodywork on it. You can at least make them look different. Um, well, I guess it's more of an opinion for me. Because because I, you know, frankly wouldn't... Because it, it's still, obviously, like you said, it'd, it'd be different engines, different uh, body bodywork. It'd, it'd be different. But I honestly wouldn't enjoy as much a spec chassis field, pr pretty much. As much as you know, when we had it, when we had the uh, when DPI first came, and it was pretty much every manufacturer had a different chassis to go with it, and it was cool. That I, that was I think that's one of the best parts of DPI was that every car had a different chassis as well as the different body. It was just, everything felt different, even though it was based off LMP2 and nobody was actually building their own stuff. I mean, I don't know. I guess it's something I'm worried about if it's just Oreca and all these manufacturers coming into LMDH will just be all using the same chassis, just putting their own stuff on it. All right. So I just looked up the, uh, the timeline for the future sports car racing that was unveiled at the 2000. 20? Yeah, 2020 Rolex 24. Oh, so I should know this because I was at that announcement. Yes. Great. great. Um, well, yeah, it's engine. been a long, it's been a long, uh, a long year. In, All I remember from that day then. was convergence, but... and I like left, and I just like went to Dave, and I'm like, what, what the heck were they talking about? All right, so <laughs> I like, so, kind of understood it, but at the same time, they were saying some confusing things. So this this timeline was back when the pandemic wasn't yet a, a huge thing. And LMDH was supposed to be introduced in 2022. That has since been moved back to 2023. The new LMP2 class was supposed to be debuting in mid-2022, which is because the uh, World Endurance Championship was still doing their winter season, um, which they now are just doing standard regular seasons now, starting super in the spring. Season. Well, no, super season was 2018 when they had two Lamas races 2018-2019 um so yeah i would expect that would have been moved back to 2023 naturally so i'd say yeah new lmp2 cars should debut alongside the new lmdh cars which makes sense i don't know why i said 2024 i just thought I, you know what i was thinking about the uh the hydrogen class mm. i was actually mixing that up um which the hydrogen class i don't know if that's going to even be able to start during the uh, expected time. But yeah, I guess we're going to have to just wait to see what the interest looks like for the new LMP2 class. I haven't seen too much news on it quite yet. I've seen like nothing, which is so, what's been alarming to me. I've seen nothing on the uh, LMP2 interest or anything coming, you know, out of it. Yeah, I'd I mean, I would assume since there's so many, you know, Orekas being ran today that they would be for sure you know coming well yeah i fully expect them to be back um we'll have to see because i i'm trying to think of when the four manufacturers were announced for the uh for the current set of lmp2 regulations uh let's see if a quick google search might might help me with that okay so it was 2015 when the uh, when the four manufacturers were announced 
for the 2017 LMP2 regulations. So two years, we'll say a year and a half because it was July 2015. Well, a year and a half to 2023 would be this summer. So I think around this summer would be a reasonable-ish time frame to see some rumblings, or maybe beyond some rumblings, but maybe some official words start to come out on who we can expect in LMP2. Uh, until then, I don't know. I'm not really in a mood to go speculating right now because I'm not I too good the, at it. I guess that's something to look forward to. Sure. Um, the only other thing I was going to say on the topic of LMDH was the Andretti thing, which we kind of touched on earlier. Uh, I, you know, There are quite a few manufacturers still attending the LMDH technical meetings. I think the, uh, actually sports car 365 reported at least 16 manufacturers are involved in the technical meetings. So the and only one three of them's probably not Mazda, right? Oh, one of them's definitely not Mazda if they ruled it out. Yep. <laughs> um, well, well I... no, one of them probably would have been Mazda because it said had been involved. So I'm sure Mazda mm. was involved. Um, and then Audi, Porsche, and Acura are the only three confirmed so far. Yeah, I don't know. I don't really have anything else to touch on on that subject. We'll just have to see where the uh, where the drivers end up. Actually, I do want to say that real quick because the uh, the drivers from that program, a lot of them were actually ex-Audi drivers. Um, actually, I say a lot of them. It was really just Jarvis. Uh, Oliver Jarvis was a uh, former... Audi Sport Team Yost driver who came over from the RE Team program. Well, now Audi's coming back, so I'm wondering, you know, maybe we'll see him hop over to the Audi LMDH program if he continues full-time, and then I could see just some of the other drivers possibly going over to a Ford LMDH program with Multimatic. I don't, you know, that's not confirmed yet that Ford's doing an LMDH program. I think it's likely and I wouldn't be surprised at all if Multimatic picks it up with some of their drivers going over. I would love to see that, because obviously, if Multimatic takes over, they wouldn't be running an Oreca. They'd be running the, uh, well, I mean, the Riley. They'd be picking up that chassis and running with Ford, and it'd be way well, cooler well, than just having Orecas. Well, you're Theoretically, thinking... hypothetically. Yeah, you're talking next, next uh, LMP2 regulations here. Hypothetically, oh, that's true. They wouldn't be running with it. Still, though, you really think Multimatic would jump into and use Noreka? You don't think they'd build an LMP2 chassis? Well, the problem is they haven't been able to sell their LMP2 chassis because they've just been so uncompetitive. So, you know, if I were them right now, would I go out and say, "Yeah, let's make another LMP2 chassis that might be unsuccessful"? I, I mean, it doesn't make much sense to me. Sounds like fun, though. Fun doesn't always make financial sense. Remember that. Caught me mid-water sip there. Uh, Gam Wolfer said, oh boy, we could get Andretti Acura versus Penske Porsche Part 2. Uh, yeah, that would be great. I could say that. I mean, I started watching ALMS. My first race was the 2008 Northeast Grand Prix at Lime Rock. And, uh, and those were certainly the glory days. I still miss them. Um, you know, on that note of, of Penske Porsche, I think that that's sort of something that people have been looking at. Porsche is one of the confirmed LMDH manufacturers. And while, you know, Penske left Acura at the end of the last season, or Acura left Penske, whichever way you want to look at it, uh, you know, it's no secret that Roger has been wanting to return to Le Mans. Porsche already said that they're planning on returning to Le Mans with their LMDH car. 
I mean, connect the dots. Let's just say that for now. Uh, I guess we'll move on to uh, Kyle's neck of the woods here. I want to talk about some IndyCar stuff. Uh, there's not too much in terms of hard news from this week. Uh, we're still in the midst, uh, just sort of the IndyCar off season. There's, um, it's February 16th. NASCAR already started. They're going to have like three or four races done by the time IndyCar gets their first in. It's kind of depressing. I'm not going to lie. I'm, uh, cause it's, it's starting to, what's weird is how when IndyCar always starts like the beginning of March or like even the end of March, I keep thinking in my head like, Oh man, it's only like two or three, maybe a month until IndyCar starts. And it's like, no, you gotta wait until April. You gotta, you still have another month to go after this one. So it's the off season in IndyCar world just, you know, never ends. It's just never ending. Well, at least they got rid of the the month long gap between St. Pete and Barber. Right? Oh yeah, because when IndyCar gets here, we're gonna be treated to a lot of racing, which is gonna be awesome. But until then, we're just stuck in the icy cold winter with nothing to do but just stare at some snow. I mean, you should just be glad you had a season that ended in October last season. Was it like right before Halloween? Oh, that's never gonna happen again. Yeah. This show is just me being bitter about IndyCar. That's what I've realized just now. Yeah. It's just me being bitter. Uh, so the only, one of the only pieces of hard news I have on the IndyCar front uh, was Elio Castro Neves uh, is now confirmed to be running at Nashville with Meyer Shank. Is that um, it? Is that all you got? I mean, that's all I've got for now. If you want to butt in, you can. Uh, Charlie Kimball will be running the Indy 500 with AJ Foyt in the Grand Prix of Indianapolis and in the Indy 500, which is interesting. Well, actually, that I was going to say that too, but I thought you meant is that all I had on that subject, which I guess I'll well, say yes. you said one thing I have, and then you said Elio, and I was like, wait, I that's I thought I said a few things I have on. Oh, I think you said one. Whatever. But yeah, I said it. Charlie Kimball's going to be running uh, the Indy 500 this year and the Grand Prix of Indy, which is interesting because it confirms that he doesn't have the full-time seat anymore in the four car. Uh, and, I mean, all it's pretty much been all but confirmed because they haven't... Have they said Dalton Kellett was going to run full-time with him? Or did I miss that? I don't believe they did. <laughs> I swear they haven't said that. But he's been testing Sebring in the four car. And obviously with Bourdais being in the 14 car, uh, they weren't going to be able to do the whole time. They, were, they weren't going to be able to do what they did last year and run Kellett in some races and uh, bring in... Uh, who, was, who, was in who else was in the 14 last year? Oh, Kanan. Oh, that's weird. But a Canaan in the 14 and all that, and then Bourdais in the end, they're not going to be able to do that uh, anymore. So is the four car going to be part-time? Is Kellett going to be full-time? I think Kellett will be full-time, honestly. Um, but we'll have to wait and see until the official announcement. So, yeah, Foyt confirms their third car pretty early in the year, which is different for them. Uh, Charlie Kimball's a good guy in the ovals. Uh, I think he should – I honestly think – it'd be better for him to find an oval-only ride and just run Texas and uh, Indy and Gateway, and well, that's it. But, Kyle, um, Kyle, you and I are both clowning right now. Because um, Kellett was confirmed for the, uh, Did they do that? for the full-time seat back in December. I don't blame myself or you for forgetting that because it just it's a thing. But Charlie Kimball's not in the four car. Isn't he in the number 11 car? <laughs> Uh, we are so uneducated. 
I love how, like, right before this episode, I was like, all right, what are we going to talk about? And we said we're going to wing it, and this is what happens when we try to oh, wing this it. This is going to be super unprofessional. Alexa, be quiet. I don't know what just happened, my Alexa. You're, you're not being productive. Music. Let me, uh, let me butt in. I just and I'll started say... playing music. I don't know. What do you want me to do? Oh, uh, well, yes. Kimball is running the number 11 car, uh, for, for this season. Uh, so far it's only the GP and the 500. Like you said, Dalton Kellett is in the four and Sebastian Bourdais is in the 14. The four and the 14 are both full time. Yeah. So pretty much like I predicted. Like, we'll predict what you mean. Like I said. <laughs> so, yeah. I, I'm still, like, bamboozled right now because my Alexa just started, like, randomly playing music. I'm kerfuffled, I guess is the way. I don't know. I don't know, but whatever. Anyways, Kimball should run the ovals. He is running the GP. Um, uh, Kellett didn't do all that good last year, but I'm hoping with a full-time ride... And a bit more experience, he can do a bit more. He made some, you know, questionable. Uh, I I saw him make some question. I love Dalton Kellett. I really want him to succeed. I really do. But I mean, when when the leaders get to you, don't give them a fight. I saw that a couple times. A couple times out of Kellett last year. That was pretty. And just times when he like was just racing. Got like there was a ba- there's been like times where I've seen a battle for like tenth, and Kellett just like went for it. Mid Ohio, I remember specifically, he just like went for like a dive bomb in the S's on a guy who was like twelfth a lap ahead of him. And it was like, what are you doing? Um, this is just weird. But um, I hope I hope he improves. I I want him to do well uh, for sure at the ovals at time, especially at the five hundred this year. I think he uh, just you know he did what he needed to do and he was just consistent and uh, didn't crash the car. So yeah, that's all you can really ask out of him. Is that all we have on the uh, on the subject of IndyCar this week? Um, I mean, you're, yeah. <laughs> we can talk about uh, the Road to Indy series a little bit. Go ahead. It's all yours. Uh, obviously, it's very interesting because uh, the, finally, after a year off, Indy Lights is coming back, uh, which is neat. I'm very excited for that. It's going to be very weird to see that uh, series come back because... Uh, I actually attended every single Road Indy race last year with the USF 2000 and Indy Pro 2000. And uh, honestly, <laughs> that kind of became kind of normal. So it's really ex- I'm really excited for Indy Lights this year. Andretti's coming back. Uh, one of the new faces, uh, Devlin DeFrancesco, coming from the Indy Pro 2000. He's actually a guy uh, who has the funding to get to IndyCar. And is going to run Indy Lights for more experience uh, because he just came to the U.S. last year to run Indy Pro. I believe he was going to run Indy Lights last year. And then when got, that got canned, he uh, found a ride in Indy Pro. He won Gateway, won some other races, did re- did really well uh, with the RP Motorsport slash uh, Andretti Autosport team. Uh, Carlin Motorsport is going to be coming back to Indy Lights. They weren't in Indy Lights. I think the last two seasons they ran in 18 and 19. They might have been there in 18, but they definitely weren't there in 2019. Uh, they're coming back. They're bringing Alex Peroni uh, from overseas. And cr- a surprising announcement, Christian Bogle uh, from the J. Howard Motorsports uh, development team. Uh, just they're, they're bringing him. I think he did some testing last year in the Lights car. 
I'm um, very interested in what he does because uh, we've seen this a couple of times where drivers will just jump from USF to uh, Indy Lights. Uh, David Malukas did it. He might have ran some Indy Pro races, but he uh, he just went straight to Lights uh, kind of out of nowhere. Uh, HMD Motorsports, Malukas is coming back. And then uh, Nikita Lasoshkin. I hope I don't. I hope I didn't murder that name, but he's going to be running, which HMD he was supposed to be running last season with uh, with exclusive Autosport, and uh, that team uh, actually ended up. I don't know if they sold or are leasing their chassis, uh, but joining the HMD Motorsports team is going to be Global Racing Group. They're a team that ran in the F3 Americas or FRA Formula Regional Americas. There's all these different uh, feeder series throughout there's just so many in north america right now it really you know i really do recommend taking the time and learning all of them because all these drivers that i'm talking about right now are are the future uh, of indycar as we know it so uh, the global racing group joining from fra benjamin peterson uh, linus lundquist lundquist hope again didn't hope i didn't murder that name but linus won fra last year FRA had some guys like, uh, they had some guys like, uh, I know, I, oh, uh, I literally, Victor Franzoni, literally, like, was just with Victor Franzoni in Miami, like, three days ago. My brain is just going bonkers right now, I don't know why. But uh, Victor Franzoni ran in that series last year, super talented. Linus literally won, like, eight, eight races, I don't he won a lot of races and just dominated that series. I He's definitely a talent coming into the lights next year uh, that I think is going to make some noise. Uh, and then finally, Yunkos, uh, Toby Sowery, uh, made a lot of noise with the Pelfrey team in 2019. Uh, came out of nowhere into that series. He really reminds me of a, a guy like uh, uh, Pato Award, who just kind of came into the lights and, like, in his uh, first, you know, really showed a lot of, like, just raw speed at times and I, I do believe uh, he needs to he, he can get that Indy Lights championship and get an Indy car that way because I'm not sure how his uh, funding situation is and then uh, Stingray Rob obviously winning the Indy Pro 2000 championship last year uh, going to be coming up the ranks with his uh, uh, same team with Yunkos and uh, yeah he's a really good talent I'm very excited to see what he does um, and obviously I think it's going to be a star-studded field. Kyle Kirkwood won the Indy Pro uh, Championship in 18. Uh, was supposed to run lights last year. Uh, before that got canceled, I think it, there was a lot of hype behind Kirkwood and lights uh, in the beginning of last year, and now we finally get to see it this year. He's with Andretti. Daniel Frost is really freaking good. Uh, he did really well in Indy Pro 2000 last year. Had to run a second season of that. Uh, before lights, which he was supposed to run last year again, uh, and then the the returning chicken tendies, Robin, Robert McGinnis, uh, a lot of a lot of uh, experience out of him, uh, and a lot of the big. I mean, he's probably at this point him and Malukas and Sowery are the most experienced guys in this field. But at the same time, you have a lot of young talent uh, coming in, but they're going to be rookies in lights this year. So you you have all these you know, different angles and stories coming into this year. And I'm, I'm really excited to see how this plays out. And then some other news. I'm not going to go everybody in the other ranks. Uh, we have Enzo Fittipaldi, 
who's going to be running in the Indy Pro 2000 category, the second step of the road to Indy before Indy Lights. Uh, he's going to be running the Andretti Autosport slash RP Motorsport entry, the same one that Devlin DeFrancesco ran in. You might have seen DeFrancesco's car last year. He was the WTF1 uh, car that was running in North America. That was interesting. Uh, but Enzo Fittipaldi, we got a, another Fittipaldi coming to the States. Um, I mean, maybe he'll be running on the same weekends as a Pietro if Pietro comes in IndyCar, you know. Um, you know, Jack Miller, the son of uh, Dr. Jack Miller, uh, is going to be coming to Indy Pro. He ran a couple of years in USF. Did really, you know, showed a lot of improvement uh, in 2020 and in, in USF. Moving up the ranks to Indy Pro this year, he's going to be one to watch. Um, I'm not going to talk about him too much because uh, it's obviously biased, but Braden Neves will be back with exclusive autosport in the number 91. That's my championship pick, but I'm not going to go over that too much. I don't want to be too biased and just, you know, ramble about that. But uh, And then announcement today, Cameron Shields will be running with D-Force. Uh, Cameron Shields is a... Uh, He's Australian and New Zealand, or New Zealander, but he's one of the guys that Will Power has been uh, kind of looking over, and uh, he actually showed a lot of talent in USF uh, when he ran. I don't think he ran all of the races, uh, but I believe he did win. He at least won the pole for St. Pete last year. Might have won the race. Uh, he he did, you know, he did pretty well in USF. He's a he's a pretty quick talent, and um, yeah, I mean on the D force team this year, he'll do very well. I think he'll do very well. Just a lot of names to, to look over. Uh, and then obviously in USF, the the bottom rank, uh, miles Rowe was confirmed to be running for the force Indy team, which is the USF team that is now being affiliated with team Penske, uh, which is interesting to see Penske kind of being somewhat involved in the road to Indy because they just never have, uh, and then we have uh, a couple other cha- – I mean, Christian Brooks returning with exclusive autosport, and then their second car, the only confirmed car, uh, the second confirmed car for them is Billy Frazier coming from New Zealand. Uh, Josh Green moving from Cape to Turn 3 Motorsport. Uh, a lot of interesting – and then we have a new team, Joe Tooling, Joe Dueling Autosports with Trey Burke uh, in – Something that makes me happy is he's a guy who's actually been running uh, dirt racing. He has a, uh, a midget program as well as a, a I, I don't, might have ran 305s, but he's actually a dirt racer dipping his toes into USF, uh, which, you know, I love to see. So uh, just Nate, a lot of stories up and down uh, Road Dindy this year. And it's just, it's so good to have the Indy Light Series back. A lot of, you know, Alex Peroni coming over. I already saw a comment, you know, uh, flying Alex Peroni. I mean, people <laughs> obviously know him from overseas. Uh, and then we have Kirkwood. I think Kirkwood for the last couple of years has probably been the biggest store, like talent coming through the ranks, kind of like how ASCII was. I mean, the, in the road to Indy, if you haven't followed it, I re- highly recommend you do, by the way. Uh, Road to Indy actually has great content on YouTube. If you uh, go and look at it, they do great stuff. Um, but you, every couple of years, you'll have you know that one guy where 
you'll hear about them briefly in USF. You'll hear about them more in IndyPro, and then when they make it to lights, they make a big splash. Guys like Oliver Askew, uh, how do I, I mean, I remember hearing about Askew like back in his like first year of USF because he was just winning everything, and it was ridiculous. <laughs> it was so ridiculous how much he was winning. Um, just you, you hear about it, and I think Kirkwood is that guy. And so he's going to be very entertaining to watch this year in lights, which we finally get to see him. You awake, Chris? You still oh, here? Oh, no, I'm, I'm still here. It's just like, man, I've gotten like a breather on that one. Um, we've had a couple questions. I'd say quite a few questions uh, since you since you were going over all that. I'm just going to stick to the related ones for now, and I do want to touch back on some of the... Well, uh, first off, did you learn anything, Chris? I, right I, mean, there? I, I learned a lot, Kyle. There's okay. Okay. In all honesty, I don't pay too much attention to the road to any ladder. I really should. Oh, you should. Uh, exactly. But, um, so yeah, I mean, it wasn't, you know, you can educate me on a ton of stuff based on everything you just said. Uh, I, like I was saying, I do want to get back to the uh, slightly unrelated questions in a few minutes here. So stick around. Um, but I did see one Gam Wolfer said, Mazda said they would be focused on grassroots. The road to Indy is kind of that. Do you think they could do a comeback to road to Indy? Um, well, Mazda still does, Mazda slash AER still does the engines for the road to Indy ladder and kind of, well, what do you mean? It kind is, of? Well, I mean, yeah, it's still, a yeah, yeah. So in terms of like sponsoring any money into yeah, it. Yeah. It's really just in terms of, do they sponsor it? Um, I mean, they could, I'm, this is where I say I'm terrible at speculation. Uh, as I said, Mazda is definitely under a, a, you know, a change in direction right now from where they were. Uh, they do, like you said, they do want to focus on more grassroots racing. I think it's certainly a possibility, uh, but I wouldn't be really banking on it. I don't think that it's, if I had to guess, I wouldn't say it's in their direct, uh, you know, line of tasks right now. I think that they're going to focus more on like the MX-5 Cup series. Uh, I could be wrong, though. Uh, let's see. Macaulay Davies was asking about the road to Indy. Uh, just to quickly sort of give you an analogy. It doesn't, it's, you know, it's not one-to-one because there are three road to Indy series. There's the USF 2000 series. There's the Indy Pro 2000, which was formerly Pro Mazda, and then Indy Lights. So if you want to make the connection to F1, you know, you can think of, uh, USF 2000 sort of as like a Formula 4 even though Formula 4 is not really technically in the F1 ladder, the official F1 ladder. And then Pro 2000 would be F3, Indy Lights would be F2, and of course IndyCar F1. Uh, the only thing that you're missing, Kyle, is you know, you're talking about all these highlights for the road to Indy, considering last season there was no Indy Light series. And it's still just bugging me that we're missing the Freedom 100 because... You know, oh how many God. how we many entries did we did you say that we have in Indy Lights next season? Uh, I so I'm not like a hundred percent sure we have all of them yet, and all of these are confirmed. The right now, right now it's thirteen. Thirteen. That I have I have a little Google Docs just like I have for the actual IndyCar series. For uh, I get bored at work sometimes. I just make a Google Docs of entry lists supposed entry list which was actually that's way healthier than indy lights was yeah because we got carlin back ago. and yeah. global racing group got the uh car uh, chassis that exclusive autosport had 
and they expanded with HMD. So we have a new team, which also we have new teams all throughout the road to India this year because, you know, velocity racing development, um, they're bringing teams and there's just all sorts of stuff going on. It's all, it's all healthy. It's great. You know, I guess our save the freedom 100, 100 didn't really work out that well, did it? Yeah, because we don't have the Freedom 100 back when we should, <laughs> Roger. Um, all right, I guess I'm just going to loop back to those final questions, and then we're going to wrap it up for this episode. Um, somebody asked earlier on, let's see, where was it? Where was it? Uh, Kingsley asked, so is Ford entering LMDH? Uh, again, speculation says likely. Official word says nothing yet. So we'll have to wait on that one. I saw another question about the... Uh, oh, okay, Jill Hughes said, why is the Riley slash Multimatic LMP2 car so uncompetitive? Uh, the main thing with that car was that it was just extremely draggy. So when you're on a track like Le Mans especially, or Daytona, uh, it, it's really a huge problem because you're generating a ton of drag while not having enough downforce to sort of Basically, you're generating too much drag. That's the only explanation I can give on that. You're not quick enough in the straight line. The Orica is probably the the most slippery, if you will, of the. Uh, well, actually, no, the Delara probably is, but the Orica is the best all rounder. If I uh, if I had to guess. You know and... what though? I I don't want to hear it because, uh, you know, there's that team called, uh, Spirit of Daytona that like went out there and uh, led laps at Daytona, you know, <laughs> with it. 2017 yeah. Rolex 24 when everybody was like did, going falling out. Did did Spirit of Daytona complain about drag? No, they went out there and they led laps, Chris. They led laps. They didn't so, complain verbally, but they, they complained with their wallet when they switched to a Cadillac. Okay, that that was all Tristan Bodie's fault. Okay, we all know it. <laughs> that was a harsh reality, wasn't it? Um, I think we're gonna wrap it up for this episode. Uh on a Tuesday, which is uh, something I didn't point out at the beginning Tuesday. of the episode. We're supposed to be doing these Mondays. I uh, just had some slight scheduling conflicts with Kyle getting back from Florida this weekend and all that fun stuff. So next week we should be back on the right time, Monday at 9pm instead so of Tuesday. What? Unless I miss my flight, which I'll try not to do for the people. What flight are you going on now? I'm going to... Um... Ocala this weekend. Ocala, Florida. Yep. Oh, okay. So you're going back to Florida. Yeah. Why did you even leave? You you realize at this point you're I, like Florida home for a week, Florida home yeah, for a week, Florida. Because I have to come home and work and make more money. <laughs> it's a life. That. It's a life, Chris. Anyway, that's uh that's not really too related to this podcast. Unless Kyle misses his flight, in which case I'll let you know on the community tab and on Twitter, hopefully. And uh, we'll just go from there. Anyway, for this episode of the Rain Race Podcast, thank you all for sticking around. Uh, if you want to listen to the episode on a podcasting platform, it'll be up tomorrow night on podcasting platforms everywhere. Until then, you can subscribe to the channel so you don't miss a future live podcast. Thank you all for tuning in, and we hope to see you next week. <laughs>